you know, put in Picasso and Google, grab the first image that comes mm -hmm. up, put it in Photoshop. And then what I started doing was, I mean, it took a couple minutes of trial and error, but I would use the marquee tool yep. on circle and I would select like probably 95% of the image. Okay. So just the corners are basically not selected. Okay. And then I would hit fill content aware. Oh, I kind of remember this. I kind of remember this. And yeah. it starts doing its thing and starts loading. So it's trying to working. interpret. Yeah, it's like, what am I supposed to fill this with, you right. know? And what it did every single time was it would create these four rectangles that would have a pattern to it and a color. Trying to match Picasso or, or whatever you had. Well, usually it would kind of pull something out of the corner that was not selected, obviously, but that's what it would go to. It would, like, freak out, basically, and I was like, okay, just fill it with a pattern and this color. And it would always do these four rectangles. And it was, it was interesting because, I mean, especially the Mona Lisa, it was just these greenish, olive green, brownish colors, okay. these four squares with patterns. But to people that kind of knew what I was doing, it was like, that's the Mona Lisa right there. They could tell. Like, just by the colors, because right. it's obviously such a famous painting. Right. Um, so I did that, and then there was this whole idea about, you know, putting, like, bring it back to where you started off with. So I started printing it on regular canvas paper. Like the paper you would paint on. Okay. And I just would push that through the printer. Yeah. And then just let it dry overnight. Do you have this thing that's been sort of mutilated by Photoshop content aware, and then you printed it on something that resembles canvas? Yeah. And I mean, the, it was that whole thing about being lazy. Like, I didn't want to think, what am I going to do to this image? I just let Photoshop do its thing. And I did that in the, the first like round of our assignment, and then he said, "Yeah, just you know, keep doing it." And the funny thing was, and he he started like laughing out loud when he saw it, and I thought it was pretty funny too. I used one of Dali's paintings with the melted clocks. Okay. And that was the first one where Photoshop turned everything into blue. Okay. Like it didn't do the, the square thing or the patterns. It just took the sky of that painting, put the whole thing blue, and on the bottom it was like like a funnel, just the yellow of the sand of the painting. I think it's like in the desert, if okay. I remember right. Uh -huh. And it would just do this this funnel looking thing and it would like like it was dripping out of the bottom of it. Interesting. Which that was the first time it did something different. And then the fact that you have these melting clocks and now Photoshop is basically melting it more wow. into this thing wow. was kind of interesting. You just stumbled upon that. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, I did the same thing as always. I selected it, hit fill content aware, and that's what it gave me. Right. And yeah, you have all these melting clocks and then the, the whole What did you think of that? 
I was surprised that it did something different and then the whole connection. Did you ever have a... Or visual connection at least. An idea of like why Photoshop reacted in that way to that particular piece of art? No. Huh. It's crazy, huh? I mean, I could try it again right now and see, see if, if it does, does something different. It might have a new algorithm in there now. Yeah, which that's the other thing actually at work that frustrates me. Mm -hmm. I feel like the, the new Adobe algorithms are overdeveloped. They think too much. Okay. So they're stepping on themselves, trying to help you out, basically? Yeah, it analyzes everything too much. Yeah. Like, if you have a complex image, it works great, okay. you know? Like, sometimes you can select whole, like, trees, and it will take them out, and you barely have to do anything after. Okay. Like, wow, that's amazing. So trees or hair or... Yeah. It used to be hard. But then you try to take this little piece of trash out of the grass, and it's like clearly this just smudged thing in the grass like how are you failing now i just content aware filled like half of the image and it looks beautiful like nobody can tell right. if i just clean it up work. a little bit yeah. and now you're failing on me with this little thing and i have to crank out like the stamp tool and stamp over old, it you go on old school yeah because that thing is still like it doesn't think. It's still stupid. I'm thinking for it. Well, of course, yeah. That's that's trippy. It's like, even with the rotors, you know, cutting them out. Yeah. You have the little shadow on the bottom because we, we, everything's just with the light from the top mm -hmm. turned out to work for pretty much everything. Yep. And um. Trippy bird. Sounds kind of weird. <laughs> but with these rotors, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, you have this perfectly round object yeah. that's perfectly aligned to the camera. Right. Like, all Photoshop has to do is select the circle, you know? Yeah. And it starts cutting into the rotor. Wow. And does all these things. You can't it's handle like, that it's a simple thing. Yeah. It's like you it can't handle all these complex things and then you give it something simple like that. And it just starts cutting in on weird places where it's just like the shadow, the, the color of the shadow gets a little too close of the, the gray rotor. But I mean there's still a defined line. Okay. But it still starts crossing it and then you start playing with the tolerance and still doesn't help. Wow. That's got to be frustrating. It is very. So, I mean, my go-to tool is, you know, you hit shift and the marquee tool on circle and, just, and you get a perfect circle. Okay. You put it over it. Oh, done. okay. Well, that's what we used to do. But, but it makes sense. Yeah, it still sense. takes a couple seconds longer instead of using, like, the magic one and just one click done. Right. Right. That's cool. You know, so I was curious about... Um, Instagram, you're talking a little bit about you guys do the Instagram stuff. How does a company utilize its photographers to make Instagram stuff for their Instagram feed? Like, what, what, is, what do you do? Because, you, you know, Instagram, you generally, people take one of these, you know, and they, you know, take a picture of their food or they take a picture of people or scenery, or, you know. So, like, how, what do you do when you work for a company and they're like, you know, John Ray, make us some Instagram. Yeah. 
uh, it gets difficult after a while because you're shooting the same things over. You're just looking for different backgrounds. And Do they actually want objects as Instagram? Yeah, like the brake rotors, you know, because you can get them drilled and slotted, like the performance style kind of thing. And then you can okay. get them in different colors, like black zinc, silver okay. zinc, gold so, zinc. So people might think that's, they want that, so they want to see images of that. Yeah, okay. just like a little package, you know, two rotors, four brake pads. And then you, you put it somewhere that usually doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. You know, like Cliff would be like pissed to the, the stuff why? we, we why? use. Does it doesn't make any sense? Like, why would there be brake rotors in the middle of the park? You know? Oh, would it actually be something that abstract? It can be. Really? Like, for Memorial Day, we just put it in front of the Veterans Memorial in Cerritos because that was the connection. But why would there be rotors? I love that. I mean, sometimes I just think too much about these things, too. Yeah. Maybe. <coughs> right. It's stuff like that. Um, but we spend sometimes hours doing that. And then it gets put on Instagram, which our company's Instagram has almost 100,000 followers now. Yeah. And it gets like 500 likes, if you're lucky. Yeah. And then... Our social media guy just like reposts somebody else's car and gets like a thousand. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, the marketing manager, he has access to the Instagram account as well. So every now and then, he shares like some stupid automotive meme okay. and that just blows up, gets like 2,000 likes. <laughs> <laughs> like stupid stuff like that it's, it's so frustrating we just spent three hours shooting this stupid <laughs> this stupid picture you know get 500 likes at max and he, he shares some bullshit meme but that's what gets shared you know so yeah. I, they had me do the April Fool's thing okay and that you know it was something funny something yeah. unique with yeah. glow in the dark neon rotors Okay, which actually exist? No. Oh, okay. But that was the April Fools, and that got liked a lot, and because that stuff you share, you know. Right, right. So. I that. That's like, like your image can be complete trash, but it's it's shareable. That's that's what, what gets the reach, yeah. you know. Yes. What do you think of that? What do you think of the fact that, is it the camera, is it the lens, or the body, or is it the subject matter, or the content? What do you think? Uh, who was talking about it? The one, the one skater? Oh, right. She, she talked about it, um, about that, if you shoot it with a DSLR, oh, it's going to look too, yeah, yeah it's, it looks too professional. Mm -hmm. And like then, yeah, it's not, not relatable anymore. Lens. It's not relatable anymore. Yeah. yeah. Is it true, do you think? Or do you care? Um, You're not I, I probably see the things different and the, the accounts I follow. It's a lot of car photographers and stuff like yeah. that. Like To me, it's different. Do you want to see that, that more detailed imagery as opposed to like the car photographer just taking his camera and oh, I shot this car today? Yeah, I mean, that's why I follow them, you know. Yeah. There's like the 
it's inspiration seeing their work. Right. Do you do any car photography, like just for your own creativity's sake? Do you ever go to car shows or? No, I mean, I still want to get back into it more because obviously the first and like pretty much last image I shot was a pretty, pretty good success mm -hmm. with first place in the student show of that Kia. Oh, right. Um, but yeah. That seems like that would be like your, a great job for you because of what I know of you, I mean, we, we've known each other for a while from taking classes and you, you, I feel like you light things wonderfully and that, and that you're a good problem solver. Right? So I feel like car photography would be a wonderful pairing for somebody like you, you know, and, and if you love cars, then that's even better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really need to get more into it again. Um, I mean, when was it? Last week I shot a car, Bruce Hershey. Yeah, he I talked hit, to Bruce he, on one of these. Yeah, yeah. I think I listened to that one. And um, he hit me up on Instagram asking if I can shoot his friend's Porsche. Oh. I went there and, and did that, but that was, you know, he wants to auction the car off. Mm -hmm. So it's a whole different type of car photography because you're not taking one beautiful image. It's about showing the details. It's, you know, like showing the buyer what he gets. Right. And I ended up shooting 178 pictures or something, or that's what I delivered. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, he wants me to come back and do some more. That's wonderful. I mean, did you shoot any of those shots for yourself, meaning that when you were shooting this Porsche, did you, as you're shooting it, you know, and you're doing it for the guy because it's going to sell, but did you, like, oh, my God, that's kind of cool. Did you do any of that? Like, um, was it strictly business? I was trying to keep it pretty, um, like, strictly business. So the did not seduce you into uh, Well, there was one shot where I just, with the Sony and like the whole flip-out screen, it becomes really easy in tight spaces right. to shoot. Right. Um, I was just holding it up over to like the center console in the back and it has these, these cool vents. They're just like these fins and it's four of them. And I was shooting straight down. Yeah just like holding it up and kind of peeking at the, the display in the back and then I looked at it and it had this symmetry to it and just these cool lines going on it's like wow that was cool but I mean that was an accident it was it wasn't planned but okay but you enjoyed that shot I think yeah on a, on a, for personal so you enjoyed photography John Ray well I, this, I, is a, this, yeah. is a, this is a breaking story right here you haven't enjoyed photography in how long that's some, thank god you <laughs> Well, every now and then I I shoot something like wow that looks that looks cool. Yeah. But you you gotta. It's not one shot and you know done. <laughs> At work we have this pretty cool uh, Nissan GTR. Okay. It's like the race car of Nissan, mm -hmm. the sports car, mm -hmm. and it's all like done up with the wide fenders and it's lowered to the point that you know 
nothing can roll under it. It's a slam to the ground. Yeah, <laughs> it was, actually it was back in like we have a lift and it was sitting back there, and I somebody took my brake cleaner from my cleaning station, you know. <laughs> And I grabbed it and the lid came off and the lid started rolling towards the car. I'm like, ah, shit, if it rolls under it. But it wouldn't even fit. The, the cap wouldn't fit under the car. Really? It just bounced That's off the low. side skirt. I'm like, sweet. You know. Wow. But um, that one was sitting outside in the parking lot. And um, these, these rotors have the company logo engraved. The light was kind of cool, bouncing off like the the parking lot, and it has these these orange calipers. And I'm like, you know, I wanna I wanna shoot that. So I spend my my lunch break just walking around trying to get all four four wheels mm -hmm. and seeing which one looks the best, and then kind of best kinda, light, best angle. Yeah, uh -huh. getting the angle right, uh -huh. and I don't know. I shot like probably. 40, 50 images. That's awesome. And but there was one good one, you know. There was like, one good one. There was one good one. That's, That's good. on my Instagram now. Oh, I have to check that, that out. That was like the first post after a year on Instagram. I have to check that out. That's cool. But after a year, first post after a year, something like that. Yeah. Because but, this is a common thing. I just think for artists to get into a dry spell. Apparently that's what everybody keeps telling me. Like, well, this has been going on for three and a half years. Like, is it still a dry spell? It's just a bad one. That's all. Of course it is. Yeah. Did you do other art um, aside from photography in your life? Were you ever into music or drawing? Um, I would love to get into music for some reason, but like, I listen to a lot of hip hop. I was looking to just make beats. Why can't you? Why can't you do that? Well, you know, like, every now and then I'm like, ah, just let me download GarageBand again. Why not? And I do it, and then it's like, I feel like I have rhythm, yeah. but I don't have it enough. And then, Why can't you learn it? Why can't there be a choir? It's a craft, just like, I'm a, I'm a musician, you know, I mean, it's just a craft, like, photography. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just takes redundancy. Just do it over and over again. You make a bunch of shitty stuff for a long time, and pretty soon you make better stuff. Yeah. It might be enjoyable. Yeah. Well, the thing that connects me to music, too, and which is I actually kind of always wanted to get more into uh, cinematography before I came oh. here. I'm, you told me that before. That was like the whole thing, and then I was like, well, Cypress has not that great of a TV program or whatever they have it's or had, if minimal. it still exists. As a matter of fact, I tried to take a class in, in uh, before I did this podcast, I tried to take a class in uh, documentary. Mm -hmm. and it didn't even go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I tried to take a class in, in, in um, the photo department. It didn't go either. A lot of classes are getting dropped. You know, the enrollment's down mm -hmm. over there at that school. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I heard the, the photo department's kind of a wreck now, too. So. It's going through a bunch of, from what I understand, it's going through a bunch of transitions. Like, it's, it's pretty much unrecognizable compared to what it was. Yeah. Um, and, um, music can, you know, 
affect your visual art. You know, like if you get into music and you or listen to it, you don't even have to make it. You know, but making it it can affect your visual art. I believe in that. I believe in um, my because I couldn't get a class at Cyprus in photo. I took uh, uh, color theory at the fine arts over there at Cyprus. It was horrifying for me. I'm not a good artist. Yeah. So I'm there with all these people, these just kick-ass artists, you know, and, 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 you know, and you had to, like, make a color wheel, and then you had to learn about tertiary colors, you had to learn about, you know, I mean, it gets to the point where, like, near the end, you're making, like, this, you put this one color down, and then you had to find little snippets of colored paper, and you say they're a certain color, and you put it over the color, and because colors change via what surrounds them, <laughs> You had to turn the color into a different color, you know, and, uh -huh. and then you had two things. So you had to take these two pieces of paper that were not anything of the color, and you just had to do like hundreds of papers and hold them. I just wanted to kill myself. It was, it was, but I did learn a lot, you know. I mean, and and I've actually, you know, even though you don't see it, if you look at my um, skateboard photography, it changed mm -hmm. because I began to see, you know. Complementary colors and different color schemes within imagery, which I never intentionally did. Yeah. But in um, music's the same way, you know. Music. You know, you you. I'm a composer and I'm a drummer, and it's all the same as photography. You know, it's negative space, it's the <laughs> rhythm of the thing, it's colors. You know, all all those things are the same. Photography, music. Painting, drawing—to me, there's very similar um, qualities at the very, very root of all of them. Yeah. You know, even even if you're a lazy musician, there's got to be something. Yeah, you know, maybe I'll just get into like minimal techno or something. You just have like a <laughs> sim simple like kick and then some bass and that or whatever. And, and then the like people it. that question you're like, you just don't get it. You just don't. Get yeah. It. But that, like, that's kind of the funny thing, because, like, Justin pointed that out. After three years of doing photography, he's like, yeah, your style is very German. Hmm. What does that like, mean? Well, it's very, like, organized. Everything's straight, precise. Mm -hmm. What um, did you think of that? Clean. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, that's how I like my photos. Simple. Which is, is kind German? of... The, why is that German? Um, I've never been to Germany, so I don't know much about. Well, he was showing us other German like photographers, like artistic stuff. They all went to the Düsseldorf. Mm -hmm. uh, is there a, what there's does that a, mean? Is that a, a, a university academy thing okay. over there. Uh huh. And um, Andreas Gursky. Like his painting sold, or not painting, um, photo sold for, I don't know, three something million. It's like the, the most expensive photograph for a long time. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, it's super simple. It's the, the Rhine River, like from the side. And, I don't believe I've seen it. And I mean, you can. All his stuff is organized like that. I think his you more famous one. You want to? Is the sun bothering you? You can sit. No, I'm fine. Are you sure. Okay. 
Um, I think his more famous one is the 99 cent store. Okay. Somewhere in LA where it's just from, you just see the rows of shelves and all the different colors. Okay. But that's, that. that's the same thing, you know, everything's straight and organized. German. German, yeah. Hmm. And the Rhine River picture, it's the same thing. It's just the Rhine River from the side and you see a bunch of grass and then I think you see like the, the bike path and then a little bit of greenish, bluish of the, the Rhine River and then some more green, I believe, and then the sky. It's just these, a bunch of colors. Is there such a thing as a $3 million photograph? Apparently. <laughs> somebody is there? Is it really worth three? Is it worth all that three million dollars? That image. Um. If I had the money, I would. I like the ninety-nine cents one better. I like that one better. How much was that one approximately? Do you know? Uh, I think it's like number five on the list, or so a lot of money. I mean, it's a couple too. So you'd plunk down like a mill, a million dollars for an image, you would, if you had the money. I mean, if I have that much money to be like, yeah, let me buy this photo because it looks cool. Yeah, sure. You would. So ownership is a thing. Can you own art? Uh, well, some people collect like the weirdest art yeah. just because like it's an investment to them. Okay. Like the, the Andreas Gursky picture, if I had that money and I could buy it or whatever, mm -hmm. I would buy it because I think it looks cool. Okay. Not because I'm like, oh, I'm going to sell it in a couple of years. So more of an artist mind than a business mind on that. On that, yeah. yeah. Right. That's interesting. I, I, I think I might have heard of that stuff. I don't have a... I don't know if I believe in all that. That's such a thing. That it's worth that much money. I think human beings do interesting things to, to things, to make, to make, to make. A, I don't know. Like a food, like, is there really such a thing as a three hundred dollar steak? I know the. I know that it was raised with monks. I know they fed it beer and some kind of grain. But is there really such a thing as a three hundred dollar steak? Uh, more so than. Uh three million dollar photo because <laughs> be... of what you just explained you know uh-huh like because it, it took a lot of money to I, it was an expensive cow basically yes that's why you have to sell the steak for that much money right I like that it was an expensive cow you know I like that like he didn't use expensive film on that he was probably I, you know I mean, it might have been, you know, but I don't know, he might have shot it on a Hasselblad, but even then it's not something that needs to cost three million. Right. Based on, on production cost, if you will. Do you think he could make another of the same shot? He probably would be stupid because it would maybe drive down <laughs> the price of the first one, you know what I mean? Although I believe it's called Ryan 2, so that means there's a Ryan 1. Seriously. Wow. I love that. Well, uh, when was it? Like one and a half years ago, I went back home to Germany. And uh, we have a, a big like art museum. 
and um, I forgot what the artist's name was, but it was basically a big wide canvas, like the one you would do oil paintings on. And the dude took a knife to it and slashed it. Okay. And boom, done. You know, yeah. it's like one of the things, like the the aluminum file. Like, oh, I could have done that. <laughs> you know, like really, you just buy this this canvas for fifty bucks or what, and you just take a Slash sharp it. knife to it and go. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which I'm like, but you know, it's kind of cool. It looked kind of cool because you just have this black thing going across a white canvas. So, okay. I mean, it was visually pleasing to me too because it was minimal. It was straight, you know, it was a straight cut. And um, I'm like, well, it, but it's one of those art pieces where you're like, well, it's kind of stupid, but it's also kind of cool. <laughs> then, <laughs> like two weeks later, not even. I go to Amsterdam, which has a lot of great art museums too, Mango Museum and all that. I walk into this room and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? He did it twice. <laughs> like the same fucking thing. It's just hanging on the wall. Really? Yeah. Like, wow. That's all he did. Like I looked him up and that's like his thing. It's just take a knife to a canvas. Wow. Like, pretty nice job. Ridiculous, but like, how can I do that? You know? Yeah. Do you think he feels fulfilled? The knife to the canvas guy. You think he has oh, maybe he has anger issues or something? <laughs> Which I love that. You know, you're just like destroying something and then it hangs in Amsterdam. You a shit ton of money. For yeah. That. And and the, the fact that he not only did it once, he did it. Doesn't that diminish the first one, like you just said before about the? Apparently not, because no? I I laughed out loud when I saw it. Wow. The the second one. We're in the wrong field. Uh, I guess. I mean, I don't know what he did before that, you know, because he found a way to get paid to be angry. That's awesome, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean. In a way, that's what I did to the paintings in Photoshop, you know. I destroyed them. Interesting. In the most lazy way. Which is a way, though. That's yeah. an approach. Somebody else would not approach it the same way, with the same mindset. You know, it's a thing. So, yeah, I gotta figure out how to destroy things and get millions for it. <laughs> Let me know when you figure that out, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold the light for you. <laughs> No lights. It's going to be in complete darkness. You can record it, though. Okay, I'll do that. I'll do anything. We, we won't tell anybody no. that it's from the same thing, but eventually they might be like, oh, <laughs> do you ever notice that Ken's stuff uh -huh. looks like what John's stuff looks like? <laughs> in, but, well, in an I guess sense? I just said it's in complete darkness, so... I guess you don't even see anything except for black. We're, we're getting something here. We should be writing this shit down. <laughs> thing. I mean, you know. So do you feel that there's a German aesthetic? Yeah. There really is. So if you go to Germany, is there a guy that has a car that's as messy as my car? Or a backyard as messy as my backyard? Or is all German people just clean, negative space? Uh... I'm sure there's some messy people over there, but uh, people and their cars 
here it's like I've never seen anything like that right? like a trash like, can right yeah like the German yeah. thing is there's there's guys that take their car to like detail and like vacuum it every Saturday like that's their, once a week that's their thing they, they take it out there like Saturday morning at 9 I'm gonna take it to the car wash and wash it and vacuum it for two hours like, and that's not necessarily somebody who's rich in Germany that's just no that's your everyday guy everyday guy could be that way I mean but obviously not everybody's no, like I know, that I but, know. but that's like a, but it is, a but German but you feel thing. that there's a that's sort of a German aesthetic the, a clean thing clean look yeah I mean with the whole photography thing and Andreas Gursky it's kind of biased because they all went to the same school okay. and they keep going back later as teachers okay. so that whole style is like passed on I was wondering if it was that's what I was gonna, my next question is is it something inherent in the environment in Germany that causes this aesthetic or is it something people are genetically born with <laughs> it might be a cultural thing yeah yeah environmental possibly yeah and could you market things in germany on that other side would it get people's attention if everybody's instagrams have these beautiful clean imagery and this one guy's got this crumpled up piece of kentucky fried chicken wrapper you know type of thing <laughs> <laughs> Would that give more attention to your beer than another guy's beer if you went with an opposing aesthetic? I'm sure it already exists. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I mean, that's like the new thing to do anyways, to be just, just weird and do different stuff. Especially because I listen to hip-hop and all these new, new uh -huh. like the... the mumble rappers and whatever they call them. What does that mean? What are they doing? Uh, well, lyrically, it's not very deep, usually. Okay. Half of it you can't understand, which is okay. why it's mumble rap. But um, they get a lot of attention because it's, like, provocative. Oh. How if they're mumbling? It's not really the the lyrics or the, the sound of it except for that the sound it, like it's mastered it's, if it even is mastered in any way mm -hmm. like if you crank it up it's just oh okay you know like there's no is there an anger component that you're hearing or feeling from it or is it a uh, yeah I think a lot of them are, are kind of aggressive but it's mostly their appearance okay like they have the wacky hair and purple and pink and everything's like more colorful and their face is tatted up and they so just confusion yeah uh -huh. and like sometimes you don't know if they're actually like stupid or they just act <laughs> stupid yeah. you know and um, just um, like they start By, by getting attention and provoking, I think. So it's provocative, it's, it's uh, there's a negative component, which people are attracted to negativity. Yeah, and I mean, 
it's almost like that whole meme thing, you know. It's like you want to share it. You're like, hey, look at this idiot. Because, oh. Or, or whatever. But, no. I mean, apparently there's a lot of people that also like that music. Okay. But that's their marketing. Yeah. And, I mean, it works great. And that's a, a global thing, a U.S. thing, a German thing? What is that? The mumbling? That's more like a U.S. thing. That's newer. I mean, the, the, there's German rap, which I'm not a big fan of. Why? What, how is it different? Um, but what's not, why is it not interesting or appealing to you? Because it's almost like they've been doing that whole provocative thing for years now okay. with, with less mumbling. Okay. And to me, it's just, I mean, extremely aggressive, very provocative, and always crossing lines, getting in trouble for it, too. But Which must market it well. Which, yeah, it, like, it gives them attention, and, you know, people call them out at award shows. Like, you can't say that. Uh-huh. You know, like, uh-huh. that's so racist and so discriminating against all these people and this. They don't care. That right. gives them attention. They laugh all the way to the bank, right? Yeah. yeah. And the whole mumble, I mean, or the whole new, like, wave of, of rap. Uh, I mean, they're not racist or that, really, but they figured out how to, like, really stand out. Yeah. And that worked great for them. Don't you have to kind of do that in this world, you know, that you have all these telephones and what's to make your rap different than somebody else's? Why should I listen to your rap or why should I look at your picture? Why should I? There's competition. Yeah, that's why maybe they win. On purpose, it's like, you know, it's hard to beat some of the really good rappers. Like you would have to like do it for years, find really good producers and beats and so why not go the other way and make it shitty as possible you know that's one way of on the scale you know Uh uh-huh it's like that that that, and i told you that and i still remember it because we were talking about instagram maybe like one and a half years ago okay when i walked into the photo department and you were there and it was probably something Cliff said again yeah. about, you know, it's so hard to stand out. Okay. And you got to stand out to make your work noticed. And uh, He would say something like that. Yeah, you know? I remember that. Which, there was this, this Wimbledon picture where I just, like, I tried doing it in camera, but I ended up doing it in Photoshop. With I remember the, that the, the tennis ball on, like... I didn't do it, but I saw on, your guys' on, work. On the grass. Yeah. And I gave it that effect, like, you're following the ball, like, it's zoomed in and... Like it pulls you in, and I, I overdid that effect a little bit, and he told me he almost threw up looking at it. What? Just because it like. I would love to have made something that would have made Clifford almost. Throw up. <laughs> Congratulations. On but that. like, no. it, it makes you dizzy looking at oh, it. Basically. Still, that's something. And um, he's like, yeah, I don't know about that picture. You know, like it made me dizzy looking at it, and all I said to him was. Yeah, but you remembered it and I walked out of the room.